We acknowledge the traditional owners of this land, the Turrbal and the Agra people, and their elders past, present and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded and flood media is recorded on stolen land. There we go. We're recording. We live? Yeah, we're live. <laughs> All right, Declan and I can go back to our looking at the bookshelf again. <laughs> yeah, do the bit that you wanted. Well, it's just like, uh, in defense of housing? Like, who the fuck's out here, like, doing a takedown of housing? <laughs> I Fuck don't know, housing. Fucking all of our shit. landlords are not, I wouldn't say they're defending housing. But they still like housing as, like, a thing. They just like it as a vehicle to make money. Isn't they like money. It just happens to be in the shape of a house. In the Russian Revolutionary posters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm considering renaming book. the podcast to Russian, Russian Revolutionary, Revolutionary posters. <laughs> There's some oh. beautiful pictures in there. Anyone would make a powerful cover image. This is going to be a very low energy cast. Everyone is brutally tired. Um, then there's a, a great book about the depression called The Bitter Years. Mm. So if you ever feel sad about your life, you can look through that one. See how good you got it. I don't need it. I'm here right now in the bitter hours. <laughs> uh, okay, moving along. Um, so, yeah, we're back in the studio to record a, another floodcast. Uh, before we go on, maybe we ought to just introduce ourselves. At the top of the show, instead of 15 minutes in, as is our <laughs> custom. Um, so, I'm Joe. You can find me on Twitter, Joanna underscore Horton. And, oh, we have a new co-host in the studio today who've never been on the cast before. A challenger has emerged. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me on. I'm Declan. You can find me on Twitter at Dohedron. It's a locked account because I'm concerned I will lose my cushy union job. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, yeah, I'm Ryan. Uh, I've been on this shit before. Do not follow me on Twitter. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Buffs for Socialism. Um, and I want to preemptively apologize for being just doughy as shit today. <laughs> same. Yeah, just same. edit me out, Joe, all of it. Yeah. The doughy years. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So today uh, we so we're going to be doing um, a show which Ryan pitched to me a while ago and I thought was sort of a joke. But then the more <laughs> I thought about it, I was like, it's actually a good idea. <laughs> Thank you, nice, Ryan. Nice work blaming me for <laughs> Pitching and posting. <laughs> what skills can't he master? Um, and that is a, 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 a show on, um, I don't want to say door knocking, but kind of door knocking. Uh, it's on like kind of the nuts and bolts in terms of our strategy and tactics, which by which I mean, yeah, not the overarching ideological stuff that guides our political work uh and you know most of the people who are on the show are actively involved in some kind of political work um and not even the more mainly revolutionary posting <laughs> yeah obviously <laughs> russian revolutionary posting to be exact um but also some other stuff uh and we've also talked on the show before about some more like fundamental questions like the usefulness of the party form um but this on this show, I think, we, yeah, we want to kind of get at the actual nuts and bolts. And for us, I, in the, uh, I don't know, the South Brisbane Greens, uh, the left electoral movement that's kind of emerged in Brisbane over the past few years and have, has been concentrated in Greens campaigns, um, we do a lot of door knocking. Uh, and this is supported, obviously, by a big kind of campaign infrastructure um, of other things like fundraising, phone banking, social events, campaign training, volunteer recruitment. But uh, most of it's done in kind of the ultimate service of doing more door knocking. <laughs> so I think we wanted to talk a little bit about that kind of campaign machine today. I suppose just thinking about this, um, initially door knocking just seems like a necessary electoral tool. Mm. But 
after doing it for so long and maybe in the way we specifically do it, I think it's actually um, maybe a little bit broader than that mm. and encounters political education for the people involved as well. Mm. And that that's uh, something that we should uh, rant about for an hour Yeah, on this s- Saturday afternoon. Sounds good. Wait, Friday, Friday? Oh, yeah. fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so maybe we should just kick off by talking about the sort of fundamental value of this approach, like why bother doing it? Should we maybe start with what we in particular mean by door knocking? That's a good idea. I feel idea. like there are different models. Defined um, terms. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's true. Um, yeah, well, when I say door knocking, I guess I mean you know, running sessions for volunteers who are affiliated with the Greens in some way, although certainly not all like members um going to you know door-to-door in in houses and talking to voters in an attempt to shift their vote towards the greens and i think in the campaigns that we're all involved in that usually takes the form of um a conversation about the things that matter to the voter with the Mm. intention that you can bring that around to a, a conversation about why that means they ought to be voting greens i super agree the only thing i would probably say i would do even slightly differently is Mm. i hope to shift people's politics like ideally mm. for a vote to the greens but a lot of, a lot of what i find most satisfying about it is people who will probably never vote greens anyway but who i still shift their politics like or challenge their racism or or something like this in a way that that is still really politically useful even outside of the kind of electoral context as well yeah yeah totally and i guess we should acknowledge that we're also like um getting data, which for, I think, some campaigns is kind of the sole purpose of their door knocking doing this photo ID stuff. Mm. Um, and I think for our purposes, we're more interested in having persuasive conversations, mm. but we're still interested in finding people who are opposed or kind of taking the temperature of different areas in the electorate. Yeah. And yeah, I think this doing doing this repeatedly in the same area has given us a really kind of good picture of um, where there's sort of influenceable people. And yeah, I guess for me personally, I also just really like this sort of like... Um, you know, street by street knowledge of, you know, mm. it doesn't have to be about politics at all, but, you know, who lives where, how the houses are, this whole little... Yeah, you get a very um, a very in-depth sort of political understanding of sub, sub, suburbs. It's nice. Um, and also getting a small insight into little communities as well. I think, you know, spending, spending an afternoon talking to as many people as you can in one community, not always, but occasionally gives you really, really interesting insights into into kind of the social undercurrents that exist and the social connections mm. that exist in, in, in the kind of physical space of, you know, Blast Street or whatever. And that, that can be really, really fascinating as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think it definitely either like on the broad sense informs our politics and our strategy in terms of what's out there and what people think. But on the shorter term sense, it also often unearths like all these local campaigns like mm. against a specific development or issues around the place that I don't think you would really see things that you can maybe find on Facebook groups but not even find in like the Brisbane Times or certainly not a national paper. Yeah. Yeah, I remember like during um, the the campaign for the council election in 2016 um, where we were campaigning for Jonathan's Three in the Gap Award and at some point it sort of clicked in the campaign. Um, Max, the campaign manager, was like, I know what our issue is. I know what our issue like for this election will be. It's development. And we're like, oh, okay. And in retrospect, it sounds so obvious. Like anyone who's spent any time door knocking uh, in the area will know that development's a big issue. Or even if you don't door knock, you can just like live there or talk to someone who lives there. But it was like a real like light bulb moment. And that's, you know, we ended up making that a large part of our election campaign and, and winning. And I remember like a very strange, interesting but strange circular argument that I had with a, a Labour person um, after Johnny's election where he basically accused us of like just going out 
finding out what people cared about and like designing a campaign around those issues as though that were like some sort cheating. of cheating. Like yeah, extreme <laughs> That's opportunism. Not how you do politics, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you have to have TV ads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how dare you take on the issues of your constituents. Right. And to me that just showcased a very interesting like well, opposing view of politics of how, you know, campaigns should either like fit themselves around people's existing concerns or expect people to fit their existing concerns around those campaigns. Yeah, and that's exactly what I've heard from having a chat with a few Labour volunteers and stuff as well is, you know, trying to get a bit of a sense of how they structure their conversations and how they do it. And it is very much, this is the issue we expect the election to be fought over. Mm. And then identifying people who that will be a vote turning kind of issue Mm. for and then asking them to turn their vote on that issue Mm. as opposed to, I think, the much more... I think explorative process that that we kind of hope to hope to do and hope to train ourselves and our volunteers to do effectively. Yeah, yeah. and I think you know we're not going to like go out there and start like a campaign to like you know kill all rabbits or like <laughs> expel a like particular segment of migrants or something like if this happens to be a hot button issue. But I think finding the connections between like the values you have, which are often pretty broad, um, and the things that are of pressing concern for people, is a really good mm. way forward. I think. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's part of where the education kind of process comes in, not just in the way we kind of educate our volunteers, but the political education we do with with the constituents we're door knocking as mm. well is is we do focus really hard on on developing a structural analysis and then using that to explain what the issue is. So we're still yeah. focusing on what I think the core politics of our campaign uh, are pretty pretty unmoving, mm. um, but using be using the kind of analysis to explain whatever the issue may may be and mm. I think that's why we've, we've have had a lot of success yeah yeah mm. I think the the classic example of this is parking right <laughs> I mean you, you door knocking <laughs> West End like you're gonna get someone talking to you about parking for like 45 minutes <laughs> oh god, god bless god. them um but and, and it does sound like one of those hyper local things you're like well like this is not at all relevant to me or, or, or like or politics like, uh, or like this. rich people you got too many cars yeah couldn't exactly. care less. but like actually it is a question of um you know the the overarching issue in this area being like property development and the fact that developers do uh, put in like this huge amount of you know new residents with you know the taxation systems around these developments are so weak that they often get away with not paying uh, much of a kind of infrastructure levy to support the new re- residents and that like really makes and the, and the way people feel it on the ground is in the crunch in existing infrastructure like parking and it's not just things like you know funding better public transport infrastructure or um, or that kind of thing to make cars less necessary to stop the like flood of cars onto the streets. Um, and when you talk like about that and you can you know, even go further than that and talking about the donations that these property developers give to both major parties and how that explains a lot of the, you know, the, the fact that these developments get approved even though they're not within the neighbourhood plan, like, you know, yeah, you can have really the, like, productive... real short-termism of the state government yeah. in terms of not being willing to invest in infrastructure. Yeah, but I think like you would never... You would never think about or be able to develop that kind of analysis if you were just kind of sitting at a desk somewhere thinking, all right, like, what can I say about property development? Yeah, mm. and I think, so I think before we get too, too excited about specific things, talking more about what our brand of door knocking isn't and like focusing yeah. for a little minute on what, I don't know, the Labour Party currently does as door knocking. Because um, talking to, yes, Le- Labour members and hack friends I have, the um, mode of door knocking where... It's just about identifying swing voters. Mm. Um, it really specifically doesn't 
put any faith in the people doing the door knocking. Like, you have a set of lines and you have an issue that you're allowed to politicise and you're specifically trying to get that message across and Mm. if it doesn't work, you just bail. Mm. Which is something I find really surprising because a huge amount of, of, I imagine, Labor volunteers would be kind of drawn from from young Labor, of which, like, 50% probably have jobs in unions, right? Mm. Like, these people are trained to do it, like are trained to do these conversations probably to a probably in a more in-depth and more sophisticated way than than we're really necessarily capable of but they don't seem to trust people to do it i don't like i actually don't understand what 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 is going on Uh, yeah i mean i don't understand why they do it if they're behaving the way they are but i think some of it maybe even if you trust um someone to have this like communication for skills for that conversation they might not trust that the kind of like politics of their volunteers is in line with like the policies they have to sell in this election. Yeah, is maybe a further problem. And I think it also can be traced back to what we were talking about before, where you know you have a single issue and you're trying to force people to care about that. And I think you know Cross River, River Rail is probably the big local example. <laughs> the thing, not one single voter has ever mentioned to, on the door to me is like something they care about, but Labor continues to run on it as like their major election issue for some strange reason. So, yeah, I can see why their model would be a lot less um, tuned towards those kind of broad, structural, persuasive conversations and more more just about like, will you sign this petition to yeah. support Cross River Rail? Yeah, so I guess there's also door knocking with petitions, which is like the harvesting information. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess it's very different to a lot of US contexts because we don't have a need to get out the vote. Mm. Yeah, that's, so that's a huge thing. So that's, you know, going to be a totally Saved different ballgame. So much time. Yeah, getting out the vote would be super, super hard. I did mm. talk to someone, actually I door knocked last weekend with someone who had been door knocking for Jeremy Corbyn in the UK and yeah, said, you know, a lot of what they do is just trying to convince people to vote. And mm. honestly, like... Especially these days, uh, that's like just such an uphill battle. Mm. Yeah, I think our, our equivalent of that is we have a lot of anti-politics at yeah. the door. Like people who've just lost faith in politics and go and vote, they don't really give a shit either way. Mm. So, it's a, yeah, so it's a much easier twist to just be like, well, you got to vote for someone, vote yeah. for us. Then the whole like, well, no, please leave the house and go vote. Yeah. It's worth it. Yeah, yeah. Argument. I think, well, I mean, I certainly encounter people who are just, like, so anti-politics that they can't possibly be persuaded not to donkey vote. Yeah, <laughs> and just like, definitely. Even though I'm here, like, the other weekend it was raining and I was door knocking and this guy was, like, friendly and young and I was like, oh, look, just as a personal favour, like, I'm here in the rain, <laughs> putting up my Saturday, will you consider it? He was like, no. Wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty rare and I agree, like, um, yeah, if we had to try to convince people to leave the house in order to, like you know, do things for a politician or like a you know, future politician, that would be... Let alone really this hard. godforsaken US situation where you're voting on a weekday with no leave. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing. And I think yeah. that might even almost explain why Labor is does focus so much on voter IDs because they do import so much of their, their organising and strategies from, from what happens in the US where mm. voter ID actually is really important because mm. because it does lead to getting out the vote. You know mm. who you want to get out the vote mm. amongst. Mm. And so it actually becomes a viable tactic there mm. but it, 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 I mean it shows how I think disconnected from the Australian political framework they actually are yeah. when they're, they're using this this strategy which is potentially effective elsewhere but but doesn't really work I here. guess they also have more money so they can potentially do targeted mail to those people when they find them yeah that's true um, although they also like buy data and stuff so I don't know yeah what the purpose it seems very labor intensive to go door knocking often it seems like their only real purpose is to get a photo <laughs> and put it up and get some kind of sense on social media that something has happened. I think they also just need to 
kind of continue the charade of being a party, right? Like they <laughs> like they've got they've got members. What members have to do something, otherwise they may as well not be a member. So they mm. do this. Like yeah. I think I, like I, I wonder how much of it is just simply performance. But I think that as well, um, taking it like that aspect from sort of the opposite perspective oh god what is my brain doing uh, I, i'm <laughs> thinking about brain? like the value of donking for us as greens members and i think one big thing is that we are doing it so we can look more like a serious party because we you know and and because we are trying to become that we you know you don't donk in seats that you don't really care about winning or don't think that you're going to win i don't mm. know i'm at the point where like i would and have recommended to people in seats with like much smaller branches and stuff that they just do a few door knocks, like not with the attempt to knock the whole suburb, but around the electorate to get to kind of get the sense of what people are interested mm, in. That's true. I would, I think, if I was, yeah, setting up a branch in Warport B. Yeah. Starting with that. There is a broader value there, that's true. But I do, I, I mean, I, I'm just speaking from like my own experience. I think our branch did not do like any door knocking until we started trying to win uh, election. I don't think that I don't think that's true. I've definitely heard about it in the past, but yeah, I think just the scale. The scale is the real thing. Yeah. Like I think it was a chicken and the egg, like the amount of door knocking we were doing and the amount of volunteers that were engaged with that made us look like a real yes. campaign rather than vice not like we parachuted in all these operatives. We're like, <laughs> okay, what do we do? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's really true. I think what door knocking does is realise like it gives you a really tangible sense of how much work you need to do in order to win because mm. like it's 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 stunning how easy it is to convince people like there's just no political loyalty out oh, there no, right yeah. like it's it's stunning how easy it is so it's like as soon as you did it like three or four times just for an experiment you'd be like oh okay now i know like we just have to build the infrastructure to do this on mm. enough scale to win like it's really quite yeah quite measurable i guess and i would love labor at least like the good the mythical like good intentioned like labor mps to do some of it purely to like get out of the mindset like i think in the in both parties in australia there's this real like policy by focus group vibe or idea that you like kind of think about what would run well in the career mail and make your policies on that when like an hour of door knocking shows you so easily that you can sway people to policies you don't need to <laughs> well it, it teaches you, know, you, you don't need to bend over backwards to these yeah because it teaches you that people actually do have really contradictory politics mm. like yeah. that you can offer a politics that will be followed even but that wouldn't be something that someone necessarily would would advocate for in a, in a focus group right like in, mm. in a room they wouldn't say i believe that we should you know tax the shit out of the rich and build beautiful libraries and pools and stuff mm. but when you offer them that as a possibility and you kind of open you you kind of open the spoke of the like well, the spoke christ um, <laughs> the spigot you, um, you, you kind of expand the the political possibilities mm. then that's when you see like people moving to those politics and that's not something that would ever come out of a research kind yeah, of framework and there are i mean there are some things like taxing the rich that you actually have to persuade people about and then there are other things like you know free dental that you don't even need to persuade you just need to mention and I think if you did a focus group and, like, listed all the issues people came up with, you could say, okay, cool, well, one out of a thousand people says dental, it's nothing. Yeah. But when you start putting something forward, it's not. So I want to talk a bit about this kind of what I feel is like a sort of tension within this mode of campaigning um, between sort of educating people, mm. big scare yep. quotes, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I think is obviously just, like, a terrible basis for any left-wing politics to start from. Uh, so the the kind of yeah the tension between between that and between like meeting them where they are and I think uh, we should add also that I think whatever like education scare quotes I think is as much for us and yes. our volunteers and then 100%. the ways that that feeds into the party as voters. Yeah. 
So given that like our kind of the kind of premise of our politics is that people are um, good and that like this, you know, if there's going to be any kind of, um, you know, salvation or revolution, it will come from, you know, ordinary people. Mm. But also like, you know, the reality is that some of the people you speak with do have like strange views or don't fully understand all these things. I think there are definitely some people that are like fully cooked units mm. um, from a lot of different angles. But I guess I the word I like is presumably from Max is like the politicizing or repoliticizing. Um, and I would think about that rather than educating. So I think whether it's, you know, someone having a problem in their life or an issue like, you know, there are, you know, too many mm, people moving into this neighborhood. <laughs> mm. Like if, you know, sometimes people have got really racist attitudes at the bottom of that, but often it is something like, you know, I, um, you know, I'm having a difficult time at Centrelink and I've seen a report that says, you know, whatever, migrants are getting this. Like often it's really not too hard to like open the possibility that, you know, of a common enemy or, you know, the problem here is Centrelink, the problem is the government, the problem is whatever, you know, not enough infrastructure for your community that means the school is full. Um, so I, I at least always try and have a crack with everyone at the, like, is there some way to politicize this that makes it a systemic problem? Um, and yeah, there are definitely people that persist with attitudes that, and I don't know, I, it's, I think probably attention for some people, like there's probably been times when you've like, you know, not necessarily smiled, but you know, nodded with something or like yeah. not fought something. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I tend to brush past a lot and of And then people. there are other other people where I just don't care and like will <laughs> kind of get into it with them and, you know, chuck that potential vote away. So it's like, where are you? Um, I think most of the time uh, it is about finding the common ground because our broad, broadly our policies are actually quite popular. So uh, it's just, I suppose, pivoting towards shared interests um away from like spurious or like just incorrect understandings of why things suck like uh, a common one you get around here are the like um small population environmentalists oh, yes mm-hmm. yes so they tend to already be uh voting green or or they if not they're like oh like um the greens have been one something i had recently was the greens have stopped mentioning population and they haven't talked about population so i'm really going to vote for like dick smith's low population party or whatever go off king so uh, i actually did have a long conversation there trying to like subtly go like no the problem here is capitalism it's not people uh but i think these things like the power of door knocking is that these things are pretty rare as opposed to just the conversations that were sort of like skirting around earlier where you you go to the door and you say like what is your <laughs> what's bothering you in your life at the moment and then you get these interesting tidbits and then it's converting them into like it's politicizing that is the thing that happens most of the time as opposed to necessarily having to repoliticize a few people who've gotten i don't know uh, cooked views on migration well, I think with those people, like, you can try and plant a seed. But, yeah, realistically, I don't know what <laughs> – whether you can shift an attitude like that in yeah, and I think any number of persuasive conversations. I think definitely not in one. <laughs> like, but, but I think planting that seed and, and, and saying, like, I think re- reorienting, exactly as you're saying, reorienting, saying, well, wh- what you're actually finding frustrating isn't that there's brown people living near you. It's that you don't feel like you've got any like sense of community happening around you anymore, um, and 
and I can see how you would you would put those those two together. But what if we what if we thought about it this way? And I don't think anyone's going to like all of a sudden be like, oh, you're right, I'm not racist anymore. Um, thank you so much. Um, but it does, I think. I think build slowly build the political consensus of of what the real problem that needs to be addressed is, and so because at very least they'll accept that yes, now there are two problems. One is you know one is still the the, the racist kind of framework they were operating through, but but more broadly now there's also you know structures at place that that affect me, um, and then you can build the kind of movement towards that. I think um, I think Simon Copeland has uh, addressed this quite well. He wrote an article for Overland a little while ago about. Um, that right-wing speaking tour that, um, my God, I can't... Lauren like Lauren Southern. Lauren Southern, uh, Lauren Southern yeah, and that, and those stuff. people. Molyneux, yeah. Um, yeah, we, and he had a good line there, and obviously I haven't like brought it up on my screen so I could read it or anything like that. Um, but <laughs> it's, it's not it's it's for today. Oh, no. <laughs> not on this, the day of Jesus' death. He didn't die for us here. to do research, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think he said something like, you know, people... Um, I think he, he was making the point a lot of people have made, which is that racist attitudes are often uh, the kind of the displacement of anxieties about the future and or, or and about, you know, the fact that we're staring down at like a very bleak world. Our, our, you know, we're going to get poorer than our parents and we have none of the like assurance that things are going to keep getting better. And we are like lose We're, you know, increasingly alienated and have no control over our lives um, and our conditions at work are getting worse and all that sort of thing. And those anxieties aren't racist in themselves. Certainly, the like the symptom that they've found and the the way they've displaced it absolutely is, and like I think it deserves to be called out for what it is. But yeah, I think there are definitely some deeply cooked racist, oh, like yeah, purely racist people, out, people out, there. out there who honestly really like it's not worth our time to really engage with. But often, if you do like talk with people, you realise okay, yeah, there is a some other anxiety here that you're expressing. And that was I really found some hope in those like couple of days um, after the Christchurch shooting when there was a lot of conversation about, you know, racism as an active force comes from somewhere and often and like examining of really mainstream politicians and mainstream media and their role in that because it's not plenty of people are racist, but the turning of an economic or a community anxiety into a race-based one is is coming from somewhere. And it's, mm, for sure. But yeah, we seem to have floated off from examining that now after, yeah. you know, three days of somewhat clear-sighted totally and it's you know very easy for that to turn into a, a race-based view in the career mails running you know burka scare headlines yeah, totally i mean it's day. certainly in my lifetime i can remember it's been like a constant parade of very it it took so much work to reorient like there, there was like like you were saying these like kind of three clear days and then and then i think the right through their various channels did did push back on that but but it took a huge amount of work and i think for the first time in a long time they had to they had to push back as opposed to just kind of setting the agenda flawlessly. And that was, that was a good moment. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think there's also a whole lot of people in like the center, whether politicians or journos or whoever, who, yeah, which not very, not ready to face any kind of culpability for standing by. So I wanted to talk a bit more about um, what one of you mentioned before. I don't know which one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we all look same to you, Joe. Yeah. Actually, these two boys in like yellow <laughs> shirts sitting here. Matching mustache. You are matching. Um, well, what you mentioned about uh, political education of ourselves and volunteers through door knocking. Um, can we talk a little about that? Yeah. Um, definitely in the political education of yourself by, by talking to people is super significant. But I think thinking about the... What makes what makes effect being an effective door knocker is being able to 
to really quickly examine someone's position and place it into the, place it into your political framework, um, and and politicize politicize their their frustrations and and you know put it into the systemic kind of framework. And so that is what we focus on with our door knocking education, and like the the big door knocking trainings are yeah they're they're really good at kind of making people feel confident with the tools of how to door knock, but but quite subtly underneath all that there is this this real education about well what are the structural forces at play and how would they affect this issue or that issue and asking people to think about that and that that is really really useful i think Mm, totally and then i think there's the educative aspect of just like going there and talking to this many people you see with your own eyes what people care about because i think plenty of like greens or greens inclined people can get um I don't know, pet policies or like views of the world that just like don't stack up against what are people's actual concerns. So just, yeah, seeing with your own, you know, yeah, and how just, do you see with your ears? And just like politics watchers, like I used to be a politics watcher where you just like, I don't know, read a bunch of op-eds and you watch look at- Watch the bad show every week. You watch or the bad show. Get up in the horse race, like polls and yeah. numbers. Yeah, so. you look at polls, you look at swings and- Or like at peak when we were living in Canberra because you're surrounded by all that shit is like care oh, yeah. about like parliamentary process or manoeuvring or like bills or whatever. Yeah, amendments to bills and all of this bollocks. And you think you come up with a profile of how- like well, I mean, so much of political works. journalism is about this, like, you know, either a horse race or a, like, day-by-day, play-by-play, you know, what is this bill doing? Yeah, I used to read yeah, Politics how many Live. have ever heard about <laughs> oh, that? No. <laughs> 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 you mentioned right? anything about a bill, maybe once or twice. Yeah, and by actually, like, talking to fucking people. Like, it's it's kind of I mean, most people work. cannot identify their local member, so they're certainly not engaging in a horse race on, like, that level, mm. but... And it's hard to tell how much, because we've mostly, I've only been door knocking in the last four years, uh, how much of this is just our current moment is totally defined by people having switched off versus just like how uh, in general people do not really care about the horse rage nature of politics or who's in charge so much as just. I think I've had one person once mention the AA bill on the door. I think that's about the only time I can recall like a specific kind of procedure thing making any impact at all Mm. yeah we keep talking around this i suppose the it'd be helpful to like have a more concrete discussion about like how a conversation happens and like uh i don't know you want to role play that's what you're saying (laughs) (laughs) oh i have no intention of role playing no but um well i mean we can we can easily do it like you know Hi, I'm Maddie. How's it going? Um, I'm a volunteer out here knocking on behalf of uh, <laughs> candidate for the Greens. And mm, and yeah, we're just going around the Savo talking to people in the area about uh, what kinds of things you're interested in at the moment. So either in your local area or in federal politics. Oh, I don't really like politics. Oh, yeah. Do you um, not like the way it's going at the moment or you're just like fed up with the whole thing? Yeah, fed up, I'd say. Mm, and what is it you reckon what really gets gets on your goat? Oh, it's just so childish. They're just bicker. Mm, yeah, yeah. a lot of people are pretty unimpressed, like the number of leadership changes or... Oh, it's a bloody joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what do you reckon? What did you? What would you get them doing differently if you were... Oh, I haven't really thought about it. Yeah, so I guess, like, um, is there anything, you know, if you were thinking about voting, like, what kind of things are important to you when you're... Um, oh, I guess, I guess education and, yeah, making sure we've got really good schools. I think that's kind of what it all stems from, but... Mm, yeah. Yeah. 
kind of dealing with climate change too, I think, about a bit. But mm. but oh, to be honest, I just don't think anything's ever going to really change. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. And yeah, I think it's frustrating thinking about stuff like climate change. You know, we've got um, this problem and it feels like there's kind of no vision there. Like they're fighting amongst each other and, you know, kind of up in their own um, bubble rather than thinking, you know, what do we need like for schools or for climate or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's really, really frustrating. And yeah, then we can hopefully start having a talk about how the Greens are different to these two major parties and you know go on from there or you know talk about some specific policy yeah and I think um with like people you know like Steve there (laughs) uh was very anti-politics um but I would say like I I was trying to play that like to be the most typical conversation it's Uh, so rare that I would have a conversation with someone who is politically engaged. Yeah, I would yeah, say 80% absolutely. of the conversations I have is with someone who says, I hate politics, I, I don't want to think about it. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I have found out the difference in this year. Like, you always find a lot of people who say they're not interested in politics or they hate politics. But this year, I feel like there's been more and more people who are your more kind of comfortable middle class ones, as well as everyone else, who will open by saying that thing of like, I'm sick of it, it's childish, it's nonsense. So, yeah, the latest like ScoMo Abbott, whoever has really kicked a ton of people into that anti politics, where before it wasn't necessarily true. Yeah. It's no longer sort of like respected at all. Yeah, and often you ask them and the people who are actually politically engaged and following the news, but they've still got that, oh my God, what a joke. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, it's It's, ubiquitous. It's totally mm. ubiquitous. It it, it cuts across class, it cuts across gender, it cuts across immigrant groups. It's Mm. just totally ubiquitous. I think that's a really good point. Yeah, and so I think for those people, like sometimes you get the people who like don't vote or whatever and or think all politicians are corrupt and, you know, you could talk about donations. But I think these people, it's like this sense of politicians being in it for themselves and having no view to people. And there you can go, okay, here we are at the door talking to a person. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Can be quite powerful. The number of people, uh, yeah, if it's not just the raw anti-politics people are frequently i suppose shocked or just impressed that you're there asking them questions at all like oh i've lived here for 50 years and no one's knocked on my door and asked my opinion yeah is something i've heard multiple times and you do get like i don't know for me like part of the really fascinating part of doing this kind of political work is you get these little slice of life like little just looks through the keyhole into people's lives which can be really sad like I don't look to a person a couple of weeks ago who was just like furious about all kinds of things, cyclists, um, the fact that uh, when you want to give a donation to a charity now, you have to sign up for a recurring donation rather than just giving a one-off. But like, not, not kidding. That's a great pet issue. Yeah, yeah it's Absolutely. bullshit though. I'm super with old uh, mate on no, this. It was, yeah, yeah I agree. fundraising techniques just fucking cooked. I can't wait until we cancel charities. But she like, after a while of talking, she was like, yeah, you know, my kids never... Uh, they're, all, they're on screens. Um, like today's a really important day in my community. I think it was Greek National Day. Um, and she's like, I can't go to any of the celebrations because of unspecified family problems. And yeah, like sometimes, especially with older people, you get often invited in to like talk with them. I talked with a, an older woman who was um, using a wheelchair, and she's kind of she was like packing up her house because she was probably have to go to move into an aged care facility. Um, and yeah, you just get I don't know. It's like quite lovely especially someone like myself I hate talking to people like I'm a real introvert I honestly never thought I would ever be able to do this kind of work but I think you do get a real like empathy for ordinary people 
and like mm. the struggles everyone is going through just yeah. by like going out there and kind of inserting yourself into yeah. their lives for a few minutes. Yeah, yeah there are I think one of my biggest like weaknesses as a door knocker is I'm not good enough at like wrapping up conversations quickly. Mm. And I don't, you know, sometimes it's counterproductive, but sometimes I don't mind because it's someone who's telling me about like the history of their neighborhood. Like often people bring out when they know you're interested in the local area, they bring out photos of like, you know, their their street for the last 40 years or you know just obviously like really keen for some human contact especially older people so yeah i can never really bring myself to worry too much about cutting those yeah sometimes it really feels like like a social service like this is community a community service in itself just talking to a lot of lonely people out there which is another defining aspect of the age at the moment absolutely but I think um, I also feel like us doing door knocking is like an extremely effective way to fight alienation in ourselves. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like the reason I got hooked on this stuff was like the first time you see someone's mind change in front of you and go like, oh, shit. Like, all right. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll vote green. Maybe like it's not hopeless. Mm. Or maybe you're right about this. It's intoxicating. Mm. Yeah. Because it's. it's- Crack. Like, <laughs> and there's so many levels. There's the, like knowing your neighborhood, knowing people's stories. But the, yeah, there's this like, I think um, on uh, both the left and like liberal people can get, it's very easy to get like kind of contemptuous about like your common man. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. people are fucking terrible about it in the like, oh, Queensland is doing this. Or for mm. Brisbane, they'll talk about the rest of Queensland. Yes. Um, you know, this idea that the, there's just all these like bigoted people or stupid people and they do what they do or read or watch what they do because they're too dumb to know otherwise. And so it's such a restorative thing. Like I feel like my faith in people is topped up every time. Like people are not stupid. They're just, you know, dealing with what they're dealing with. And often in a way that is like really atomized either from other people or from some, you know, meaning, kind of common meaning in their life or way to feel like they can influence the universe. But, you know, they're all. Absolutely. And it's one of my absolute favorite things is watching new volunteers come in. Who, and experience who, that. Who, who almost all will have that attitude. Like mm-hmm. you'll, you'll, hear yeah. it, you'll hear it in their conversations. Mm. And watching it just slip away, like, mm. so quickly, as soon as you start talking to people and something like, oh, shit, people are dealing with some shit, like, <laughs> holy fuck, like, of course they're not going to engage with, like, why would they? Like, how could they ever be anything other than who they are? Of course mm. they are, okay, yeah. well, that's fair then, all and, right. And this is finally getting to the heart of why, like, it is political education for our volunteers. Yes, it is, it's massive political, like... And you see it all the time. Like, I see it online, people talking about, like, they, like, I, I saw some, some guy who's, I think, a greenie, but he was like, oh, it's just ridiculous the idea that you'd ever be able to convince any one nation voter to vote green. Yeah, exactly, like, oh. right? Yeah. But like, oh, I know now you've never literally ever spoken to a one nation voter because yeah, it it's so <laughs> easy to get to vote green. Like, yeah. so much easier it than anyone else. Way yeah. easier yeah. than a Labour voter, voter Way easier than a Labour yeah. voter. Like, one nation voters fucking get it. They get that everything's fucked and that two major parties are shitting on them. Yeah. Well, most of the people mm-hmm. I've spoken to who are, they don't, they're not necessarily one nation voter, but they're considering it. Um, and it is just totally an anti-politics thing. Like, mm, I think I'm 100%. sure they're arrested on One Nation voters, but yeah, the ones I've spoken to, they are so ready to like what they've done is swing away from the major parties, and they know correctly that they can't trust them, and mm. they're not out for them. Mm. Mm. Um, and yeah, I guess where they swing to is what's up for grabs. Yeah, like whether it's to the Greens, to Independent, to Donkey voting, to One Nation. Yeah. I think it's our like responsibility, anyone in regardless of your party affiliation, to go and talk to those people, exactly. so they're not like swinging to the hard. Ride and there's so much going and, and ha- like presenting a, an alternative just will not happen without like you just won't be able to have that on the news mm. you will not be able to have that on a mass like on a massive tv campaign like mm. it's the only way to say look, 
look, yes, there is a race-based like analysis of this, but there's actually also a structurally based analysis mm. of this, and to present it is really, really important. Well, particularly, yeah, for that turnoff from the major parties, it is a turnoff from like trusting people in positions of authority. So any kind of TV-based thing, or there's there's no way like you have to have a face-to-face yeah. conversation with someone. I think a lot of the time, yeah, pe- the attempts to convince One Nation voters not to vote One Nation come in the form of like kind of mocking, moralizing, like. No, you know, like you're better. We're better than this, or this is like a, you know, you're a bad person for doing these things or thinking these things, which obviously doesn't reach people. And I think One Nation gives. I don't know. I haven't really been keeping up with them recently, but my my <laughs> sense is they give just enough of that materialist, like chat to to sort of. I don't know. They speak to people and they say, "Yeah, people's lives are getting harder," and that's just enough to like. Yeah, you they know, acknowledge there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Isn't like enough. Hundred percent. And I think that's one... As opposed to this, like, sometimes soaring Labour stuff you can get about, like... Yeah, exactly. We're all together in a beautiful future. This is our... (laughs) Or, like, and Lib's just being like, we're growing the economy. It's so great. Um, Everyone's like, that's not what it feels like to me. But I think that's, like, you know, what we're often fighting against as Greens, Dornock, is is the perception that the Greens are those moralisers or that, you know, that the Greens... Well, I don't think it's a perception. Plenty of Greens are. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no, 100%. I I would say the majority of the Greens are. And and this, it's so often when I have, like, when I have to say, look, I think it's, I think, you know, this is bullshit or this person is bullshit or something like this. And then all of a sudden people are like, oh, you think moralising is bullshit, all right. And then, then I can engage in good faith. And, yeah. and that's really fascinating. I think it's really interesting how many times on a doorknock you'll hear the f- someone start off with the phrase, well, you won't like what I have to say or you won't like me very much because you're from the Greens. And it <laughs> They're just, always the best conversations. Yeah, it's and never gone like, badly after that. Yeah, having that chat where, where – and you're like – I think they are genuinely surprised when you don't like – preach at them you don't chastise them where you like say i agree with you actually on a lot of these things and here's why i think this is a problem like that's a big moment mm. Mm. yeah i would really love like mandatory um door knocking for every elected rep and every person who's mm. in a kind of like policy steering or a like strategy steering position because yeah you just yeah remaining connected with actual people rather than like this world of canberra or this world mm. of comms or yeah. God knows what. It really hones, like, our messaging world of Twitter. Is, is quite yeah, good. the world of Twitter. The world of getting in, like, minutiae about, like, the detail of... Policy. Any particular yeah. thing, yeah. Mm. A lot of the time, yeah, messaging locally is quite good because, yeah, we've just had enough conversations and it all filters through that you know what people are actually care about, whether or not it is the Adler shotgun or crossing <laughs> the rail. Uh, <laughs> the two major issues. <laughs> Ever figured out what was going <laughs> the on two the genders. Shotgun. But I think it's like so. Okay, this is no. this, this in joke is that while we were on the south uh, during the state campaign, um, Labor was largely door knocking with the petition to ban the Adler shotgun, which, which was which fucking just bizarre because they were in government. I didn't even with the know majority, that. So <laughs> you can so, you can so, do whatever the fucking so the, you so want to ban a shotgun. Pre- go for your life. Yeah, the deputy premier was like petitioning herself. A petition I to, guess like petition her boss. I suppose. <laughs> like, <laughs> Petition me, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's what we're naming this episode. <laughs> that but feeling when you yeah, really cannot self-regulate. <laughs> back on to what you were saying before, Maddie, about you know mandatory door knocking for for any politically you know like oh, title holder or position holder or something. And honestly, journos too. So no, any no, fucking yeah. idea how this shit will play. No, but just I the think journos. Like the difference between, I guess, <laughs> like some door knocking and our door knocking is ours is open and issues based. Yeah. And, and like 
like I don't think there's other door knocks that would necessarily produce the same value in, yeah. in the people doing the door knocking that we've just certainly been not the Adler yeah. shotgun petition. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. Like if you just go to people and ask them to sign the Adler shotgun petition, you're not going to engage with people at all. Like that mm. except over shotguns. Education. If like, you find mm. the one person who's like, yeah, shit, I'm worried about all of the shotguns that we yeah. see around mm. inner city Brisbane. It's only it's only when you door knock in the way that you like demonstrated really really well before of. of of asking so many questions and engaging in such good faith that you actually do get that movement within your own politics mm. and your own thoughts. Um, and, and it is of value for you as an individual who is door knocking. Mm. And, yeah. and there's, there'll be so much, there'll be so much door knocking that doesn't produce that. Yeah. 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 And I think we keep trying to like circle around this about the ways in which we are we specifically <laughs> trained people to door knock. Uh, that is like, yeah, genuinely inquisitive mm. as opposed to yeah moralizing or specific issues based we have actually tried once or twice to like run a specific issues mm. door knock like this is going to be the i'm so bad at it i can't comply i can't yeah. retrain myself like, i'm like okay i know i'm supposed to say the thing but yeah it like, feels it feels very strange it, it feels to, to me run not a line. like not only awkward but it feels like a bit sus to be like pushing false, right? pushing an issue yeah, yeah as opposed to letting people um yeah be honest about that yeah and you don't learn about the weird idiosyncras- idiosyncrasies within people and like how they see politics like we ran a one of them we tr- attempted to was on like there's a giant casino being built in inner city brisbane and we thought like fuck there's gonna be no one who like thinks this is a good idea but then the first door <laughs> i'm like hey like we think this. We think this casino is pretty shit. They're like, no, 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 no. It's going to bring a lot of jobs. I love it. Like, it's oh, really no. great. This is like this is the best thing that's happened to Brisbane. Um, and I suppose, like, at that very moment, I wish I had just like started with the questions. Yeah, because so that, that locks you into having an argument with about, them, which is yeah, what you exactly. want to avoid. It is hard to know. Like, it's always a gamble. Like, you know, we have at the moment like a good flyer that has like a set of issues on it, and I often use that flyer with someone who's like kind of not interested or doesn't have anything that comes to mind but is like open to conversation to go like have a look at this and often something jumps out at them when you talk about it but if you've got someone who always it's the people who are kind of like libs who might care about the environment who are open and then like I give them that flyer and I go into like slow-mo time and I go because no! <laughs> it says something on their like you know tax the living shit out of, out yeah, of you. It's, a, it's a bit bullshit. Um, so yeah there, there are some times where yeah pushing putting your messaging in there is like inevitably going to pay off or, or blow it up. So, yeah. Um, but I do think like the value of that face-to-face conversation that you've had with them is more valuable than anything they will read on a flyer, mm-hmm. um, which is, yeah, you know, the whole point of why we do this. But I wanted to circle back a bit to talking about um, how Donald King, you know, helps people not be elitist anymore. Cause that was very much my own experience. Like I, you know, have, always been left wing but had never done any kind of like work or to <laughs> talk to people <laughs> and oh, it sounds very typical of the yeah, left I know, <laughs> I know. Same. No, and we wonder why we keep fucking losing christ <laughs> it sucks and then like going very um briefly into like the, an academic lifestyle made that a hundred times worse obviously <laughs> academic um, lifestyle is one of the most cursed two-word phrases <laughs> <I've> ever. <laughs> it was a lifestyle choice <laughs> regrettable um and yeah, like I think I don't know. My I feel like my politics has uh, just improved by a thousandfold since I uh, got out of academia and started actually door knocking. Um, and it's not. I think you know what has shifted me in that respect is not only that. Yeah, people are dealing with some real shit, and that's like you know you can be a lot more empathetic and sympathetic with their like occasional strange views or whatever, or like disengagement with politics instead of being like, oh look, rubes don't care. Um, 
but also like the fact that people actually like a lot of people have quite sophisticated political understandings mm. that they have never maybe uh, understood as you know left wing even or progressive things like you know everyone you talk to just hates big corporations and ob- agrees absolutely they should be taxed i think I've had maybe one conversation that I can remember where someone was like, no, they bring jobs. Mm. And, like that was one after in like four years of door knocking. I've gotten for the first time in my life like fond of small business owners because <laughs> I've been having so many conversations <laughs> with them about raising corporate tax. Yeah, with yeah. This, which seems like counterintuitive, but this line of like, yes, you along with wage earners are paying mm. tax. Multinational corporations aren't. aren't yeah. And like, it's so good at getting them out of that like jobs and growth um, absolutely. obsession. People understand that as a common enemy for sure. And a lot of the things, you know, like I think, well, I think, you know, we, we do have a task. One of our tasks is trying to shift the Overton window back towards um, plenty and abundance mm, and mm-hmm. living a good life rather than just being like, you know, trying to eke, trying to like save things we already have, like save Medicare or whatever, or just, you know, cut stuff for the sake of austerity. Um, but Oftentimes, like, yeah, people do really connect. They already instinctively understand and connect with uh, a lot of the stuff we talk about, like expanding social services, bringing a lot of stuff into public ownership, making things free. Like that, we don't have to convince people on that. Yeah, it's wild. Like, while we're campaigning on, uh, like, free dental, bringing dental into Medicare, and, you like, I've had one person who was, like, definitely a liberal voter go, mm, seems expensive, and... Whereas I think a lot of other people just recognize it as, like, if it's a priority, like, it's obvious it should be a priority and it would be, like, better done at scale and preventative health is better than, like, um, paying for root canals. Like, most people just, like, just go, oh, yeah, of course. It's, yeah, the number of times, like, you don't even need to convince people that, yeah, social services are necessary. Like, they just agree. Mm, I occasionally find people, and whether they're Labour or Liberal, they're, like, kind of decently well-off middle-class people who will bring the like, oh, yes, this is good in principle, but how do we pay for it? But I find those people who want to get in the detail of policy or costing or whatever, um, they're people that are being pretty well served by the current system so they can like afford to like fiddle around the edges. And they're probably the people who are most likely to read like political reporting and people think they're talking to with political journalism. But you've got this whole swathe of people who couldn't give a shit about the detail because they recognise so clearly that the system in its broad strokes is junk for them. And so I'm pretty happy to like kind of ignore those people who, you know, care about the the decimal point on the costing because we've got these whole like wide world out there. Mm. Yeah, basically, if you listen to this or if you have a, like a politically engaged <laughs> cancel at all, yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about door knocking you. <laughs> Can I just leave a flyer and go? <laughs> no, that's it. I've only had one of like one person bring up the dental into Medicare being like, what does this do to private health insurance? I was like, like surely that, like, that would be the reason most people have private health insurance. And I was like. Oh, I mean, I guess people wouldn't have to pay for that then. Like, I don't understand what point you're making. Go away. Like, not be a thing anymore. Wouldn't it be we'll good if choice. we didn't have a shitty middleman between getting healthcare? Like, what? Like, oh, you fuckhead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you do get the occasional bootlickers who are just like, no. I, but yeah. most people, even well off people with private healthcare, recognize that they only have it because of some random ass tax. Yeah. Well, barrier the, or not, they would love to get rid of it. Yeah. And calling it an unofficial tax lands so well where they're mm. just like, that's exactly what it is mm. like yeah nice i use that for the um uh, the middleman in terms of energy providers as well oh yeah 
fucking rent seekers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Goddamn rent seekers. I think people, I think what I'm trying, what we're trying to get at here is that there's like, <laughs> God, God knows what we're trying to get at. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, oh, I had a donut the other day and this happened. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just fun. I like having the debrief. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I mean, I'm sure this makes a fascinating listener. No, but I think, yeah, what I'm trying to get at is that there's like a base level of common hatreds out there that is very easy to tap into and is surprise surprise like fruitful and the basis of like some you know if you if you can politicize that like we were talking about before and expand that into like you know here are the things that we can do here's our, the possibilities if we like you know tax these fuckers properly like that is that's that's it like mm. <laughs> you've just you know won someone around to a pretty basic social democrat position <laughs> i think another thing that ryan reminded me of with the electricity is that people also have a longer memory than you think like people bring up you know we're talking about um bringing electricity distributors back in public ownership people are constantly like older people bringing up the you know oh yes i remember when it was this and the prices have done this since then or you know for example the old structure of having like a commonwealth employment provider instead of a or whatever that thing was job service thing rather than like a privatized job thing like people have got you know free uni um even you know talks about um you know policing or you know like Joe peterson era kind of political corruption like all this stuff that is does you know you never get the context or the background in any kind of news but people of people have still got that not mm-hmm. everyone but yeah people still bring up uh yeah hatred of the privatization that happened in queensland over the last couple of decades it's yeah, yeah easier like to get memories. back to that than I think we think sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, and before the interruption, what I was trying to say is that <laughs> it's cathartic. It's cathartic as hell. Like, uh, even though, yeah, I'm not naturally inclined to doing it and it's always a struggle to get started and, like, knocking on the first door is always, like, difficult because mm. it feels like... Okay, I'm just gonna get distracted again already. But one of the one of the things that like Don Oki at first made me realize was like how sort of pacified and like uh, I don't know like comfortable. Un- no, uncomfortable no. it is to go and go and like interact in like go up to someone's door and. Oh knock yes, on it. like that's a real b- like boundary to cross. So many, yeah, like, and I don't know. Like, it feels like a kind of, maybe it feels like a modern sort of alienation <laughs> that, like, we don't know our neighbours and you don't talk to your neighbours at all. And, like, going up mm-hmm. and doing this is, like, a radical experience for a lot of our volunteers for the first couple of times. And, like, it still feels weird sometimes, like, opening a gate and, like, wandering up to mm. someone's door, especially in some houses where, like, the door's around, like, the corner of the house or whatever. Yeah. Like, it feels like you're invading people's space a lot of the time. And it's surprising when hardly anyone reacts as if you have yes like people are really polite as well i think taken to its logical conclusion with you know tim talking about knocking their apartment complex and to me it feels like totally taboo to actually door knock my my neighbors because you have this like fiction in the city of you know not seeing seeing or hearing each other's comings Mm -hmm. and goings but like certainly tim's experience seems to have pretty quickly broken down the barriers and now have this actual like reclaimed sense of community and you know Mm -hmm. not much time at all yeah. So I think you could easily like have this like door knocking for community rather than for purpose if you wanted to. I did put a, a question down there about limitations because I I guess you know there are no limits. The limit does not exist. <laughs> uh, yeah, like you know I think we would all consider ourselves um, socialists or communists, and 
as such, door knocking can't really be the end game here. Mm. So, I See, guess, I totally disagree. I imagine uh, the communist utopia, we all just go around and talk to our neighbours all the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> you ne- nothing is not a door knock. Yeah, like, but you're always revolution. door knocking. You're but always just going up. I have a two-prong like- plan. It's door knocking and Russian revolutionary posting. <laughs> 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 but in terms of actually, like, getting, you know, achieving communism, it's not like, you know, mega door knock to overthrow capitalism. <laughs> 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 Maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think we should do it. <laughs> well, I suppose, like, at the moment, it's, like, this is very much a electoral strategy. Yeah. So, there's, like, a shitload of limitations to that. But there's a reason it... Sorry, we're now giggling <laughs> at the cat. Cat's this is the most hungover podcast we've ever done. <laughs> um, I uh, mean, I don't think it needs to be electoral. You could also do it for an issues-based thing. Strike. Like, you know, you're not going to go on strike from a door knock, but I think you could build local support for a random strike or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. That's true. Oh, yeah, Max wants to say something. I think in terms of strategies, the like you apply strategies to your social and political context. Mm. And like I assume you've been talking about this. Uh, <laughs> don't assume anything. <laughs> <laughs> but we're in a social situation where the levels of alienation and isolation are at record levels. And the previous sort of social movements, whether it be the union movement or civil rights movement or anything like that, are on an exceptionally low ebb. Mm. So the way to break this political strategy right now to break down that alienation uh, is to go door to door and organise that at scale. Like, surely as, you know, as we get dental care for all or we ensure that we've built enough social homes or we build beautifully designed local neighbourhoods with public parks, etc., that level of alienation starts to break down and new political strategies emerge. Because as it is, if you organise a community event, like 20 people show up. Whereas if you door knock, you can door knock, you can potentially talk to 20,000 people. I guess to me it doesn't have to be door-to-door as much to face-to-face like it could be within your workplace or within, you know, whatever. Um, if there is a community event that's happening that you can actually talk to people at. But yeah, this person-to-person. Yeah, but as Max is saying, like the reason it's working now is that like basically no one's yeah, doing there's, it. There's nothing there's, else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think where we're at, like, we're not going to have the glorious revolution tomorrow. Um, Sad. But at very what least... Po- what if I do some really good Russian revolution <laughs> posting? Yeah, we've still got another like, couple of hours we of posting could, ahead of us tonight. posting later on, maybe, maybe It's on Monday, this, it's but, all um, happening. Jesus coming out of the cave, Joe's, <laughs> like, scheduled some sick posts, and then the revolution. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look, I've been practicing for 10 years now, and I reckon we're about to crack, you know, Twitter. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> um, but... We are actually building an organisation and Mm -hmm. we're building it doing what seems most useful in this political, like, context. But we've got now, like, a significant amount of volunteers who've got really solid structural analysis and and are used to working together to to achieve various things. In different, like, you know, whether it be a housing crisis or something like this, we would be able to turn this apparatus to, Mm. to a certain strategy or a certain tactic that works to deal with that particular issue. And building an organisation, like, is it's a super hard thing, but being organised is going to be the first step to to whatever tactic is going to be useful in any moment. That's a really good point. Yeah, that, like, the training, not just about the specifics of going and chatting to someone and trying to have a persuasive conversation with them, but organising other volunteers and the structures it takes. (laughs) We haven't really talked about this. (laughs) Um, Building that kind of stuff uh, is also helpful. Yeah, Yeah, I think we have, like, the practical limitation that it is very labour-intensive, like you know, building up a core of people who can train people, spreading out, and then even if you have this, like, magical door-knocking machine, it's going to take a lot of time. Mm. So, you know, I think 
you know, in the state campaign, we were doing all that, but we can't deny that having actual media and like the notoriety that come from taking on the deputy premier helps. So, you know, I think it's worth doing, but yeah, there's certainly gaps. Mm. Mm. And I think um, maybe, yeah, I was just thinking about, uh, you know, our our friend uh, Liam, who's been on the, the pod before, who's you know, a, a, a radical socialist turned uh, social t- democrat. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> turned electoralist. Sorry, sorry, Liam. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Liam. Not here. <laughs> not here to defend <laughs> himself. Um, but it, it, you know, is now <laughs> like pretty, pretty keen on door knocking as a, a as a strategy, and he always says, "I think it's um, if you can't handle people if they're alienated, you don't deserve them at their class conscious." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, I think. You know, that for me sums up a lot of the reason why I, as someone who certainly believes in going beyond social democracy, still um, doorknocks essentially for social democratic um, ends at this point in time. But yeah, I think maybe that's a good place to leave it. Do you guys have anything else you wanted to add? Mm-hmm. Or just time to go home and sleep? Uh, <laughs> we can we can play that song as the outro. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, I'll actually use it. I need to re enter right. the rating room of my soul. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
Thank you.